Welcome to the Cross Lane Podcast, a community committed to bringing people to Jesus. We're going to wrap up our Christmas celebration around uh, Cross Lane anyway. Uh, today, just uh, have some remarks surrounding Mary and Joseph and the shepherds and the wise men. There's a lot to learn from them. There's a lot to, to glean as you look at how they interacted and how they responded and reacted to the things that were going on around them and then so most of the world was oblivious to the very first Christmas they didn't know what had happened they didn't know the significance very few people were in on the very first Christmas here we are 2,000 years later and the entire world knows what Christmas is so what made those first people Mary Joseph the shepherds and the wise men what made them so special that they got to be in on the very first one they, they were blessed so I guess really what I'm asking is the, the question I'm asking is how does God choose whom he's going to bless that's really the question I want us to think today about who God chooses to use I believe that there is such a thing as being blessable now I want to say that I believe that God blesses people and he blesses people that don't care one bit about him Right? Like there are people that are living, drawing breath today, and they might believe in God, but they are not going to go to church. They don't care what he has to say. They're they're not going to orient their life in any way around anything that God has to say or speak into their life. They just don't care. But God blesses them anyway. To, To push that even a step further than that, there are some people that don't even believe in God, and yet God chooses to bless them. You know, if I was God, I would say, well, if you're not going to believe in me, I'll show you that you should believe in me. I just take my hands off but that's not God that's the reason God got that job and not me because I'd be horrible at it and he's awesome at it but when you've got an atheist who doesn't even believe God says you know what I'm still going to bless you still going to give you a job I'm still going to give you health I might give you kids and a wife and a family and you know great vacation I mean all kinds of things that we would associate with with blessing God says I'll you know I'll do that even when people don't believe in me. So I believe that there's such a thing as being blessable, and I think God blesses everybody, but I think the Bible's very clear, God does not bless everybody the same. There are people in the Bible who received more of a blessing than others. So what are the things that we can do that will make us more blessable? Because it wouldn't, I mean... You don't want to be selfish about it, but isn't that really, at the end of the day, it's one of the questions we've got on our mind is, God, how can I, what do, what do I do to put myself in a position to receive a blessing from you? The fact is, you will, if you will do the things that Mary and Joseph and the wise men and the shepherds did, then this will be a blessed Christmas for you too in ways maybe that you didn't even realize. So this morning, I want us to take a look at those four subgroups and see what, it, what they did that made them blessable let's start with Joseph Joseph cooperated that's what Joseph did Joseph is kind of under reported in the Christmas story he's often overlooked we don't really know a whole lot about Joseph he was just kind of a normal guy we know that he was young we know that he probably didn't have a whole lot by way of money or possessions things like that he was probably somewhat poor he didn't have much We don't know much, but we know that he was engaged to this little girl named Mary, and a day comes that Mary, his fiancée, 
comes to him and she says, Honey, you're not going to believe this story, but it's true. And then the next words out of her mouth, I'm pregnant. And I know we've not had relations yet, and, and Joseph, I have been faithful to you. To which Joseph responded, right. Oh, and there's more to the story. The father of my baby, and Joseph leaned in, is God. Well, isn't that great? Let me just ask the guys in the room. If your fiancé told you that story, would you believe it? That's a preposterous, outrageous, illogical story that no one would believe was true. We're told that that Joseph was a good guy and he didn't want to embarrass Mary. And in Matthew, we read this. Because Mary's husband Joseph was a good man, he did not want to disgrace her in public. So he planned to divorce her silently or secretly. You say, Brett, how can he divorce her? They weren't even really married yet. They were, it, was a, it was a fiancé kind of thing. Well, in those days, betrothal, it was, it was um, you, did, you didn't call an engagement off like you would today. These days, if you're engaged and you decide one part or the other decides they don't want to be married, they can call off the engagement and start to say no harm, no foul, but there probably is a lot of harm and pretty big foul if that happens. But, but you can do that in our culture, and there's not really a lot of, Um, legal fallout from it it's just something that you decide to do and you're done Um, you could you you could just call one off but in Joseph's day when you were engaged in order for you to get unengaged you had to go through a, a, a divorce process for all intents and purposes you were married but you did not have relationship physical relationship so we're told he planned to divorce her secretly verse 20 while Joseph thought about these things an angel of the Lord came to him in a dream When Joseph woke up, and I want you to take note of this next line, he did what the Lord's angel had told him to do. Joseph took Mary as his wife. That is a common theme. You're going to notice that today as a common theme with everyone we talk about. They did what God told them to do. You want to be blessable? That's where it starts. That's where it starts. Do what God tells you to do. Now, What we just read takes great faith on Joseph's part. To hear this improbable story and to trust that God had a bigger and a better plan for his life than he had ever imagined for himself, here's the quick point. If you want to be blessed by God, if you want to be blessed in your business, if you want to be blessed in your marriage, if you want to be blessed in your finances or your friendships, you have to do what Joseph did. Joseph cooperated with God's plan for his life. That's what you got to do to be like Joseph. That's what you got to do to be blessable. You got to cooperate with God's plan for your life. Stop following your plan. Start following God's plan. This is a a total U-turn in Joseph's life. He had his life with Mary all planned out. He's probably not going to be able to give her the big, you know, mansion and and pool and all that kind of stuff. He, they're not going to have great cars and they're, they're, they're probably not going to have all that stuff. He's, he's a man of little means. But he had, a, he had in his mind what it looked like for him to have his little family and the love that they would have and they would watch their baby grow up. And, and, you know, he, he, but in due time, he didn't see it coming like this. This is a total U-turn for him. And God said, I've got another plan. My plan's bigger 
and my plan is better. You cooperate with God's plan, but this is the key part, even when it doesn't make sense. See, that's the part that gets to us sometimes. Well, God, that doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense why I would do that. It doesn't make any sense why I would, you know, forgive them, or it doesn't make any sense why I would I would give to them, or it doesn't make any sense why I would take this money that you gave to me and I would help somebody else with. That doesn't make any sense. You've got to cooperate with God's plan even when it doesn't make sense. And often, God's plan in the beginning is not going to make sense. It would make sense to Joseph later on as he started to learn more and as this would kind of unfold, it would make sense for Joseph. But then the angel showed up and said, go ahead and marry the girl. God's got a bigger plan for you. And the Bible says in Jeremiah 21, and I'm going to lift this passage out of context. You need to understand that what I'm about to read was not written for us specifically, but I still think it applies to us. But this verse gets used an awful lot, and, and a lot of times it's not, really impl- it's not really said that this was really written to somebody else. But it's for us too, I think. It's Jeremiah. I know what I'm doing. God speaks through Jeremiah. I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you, not abandon you. Plans to give you the future you hope for. Let me ask you a question this morning. Do you trust God's plan or do you trust your plan? I've lost track of the number of times in my life that I thought my plan was better than God's plan. And God, I know what your plan is, but I'm, I don't want to do that. I'm, I think my way's better. And I'm going to do my plan my way even though I know what your plan is I'm going to do it my way and I go down that path and I do it my way only to look up and realize God's plan was better because I didn't account for this and I didn't account for that and I forgot that I can be pretty stupid when it comes to that and God what was I thinking and God's thinking God says you know you you elevated yourself too highly And you put yourself on par with me, and you thought you were smarter than me. And Brett, you're not smarter than me. My plan is always better than your plan. And my plan's not always going to make sense to you, or you're not going to like it. But you need to understand, I love you. I probably, I do love you more than you love yourself. And when I have a plan for your life, and I put it in front of you, I expect you to follow it. And when you don't, it's never going to end as well. If you want the blessing of God in your life, you have to cooperate with God's plan for your life. What about the shepherds? We talked about these guys last week. They were really at the bottom of the socioeconomic totem pole. Uh, In Roman Empire terms, no one gave any thought to the shepherds in New Testament culture. Nobody really was thinking about the shepherds. They were outcasts. They were with sheep all the time. They stunk. They, they, they were dirty, they were unpopular. These guys were not invited to anybody's birthday party. Nobody wants to spend time with these guys, all right? They see them coming, it's like, let's cross the street, because they are going to smell, and they don't really, they're not real smart, and, you know, just, let's just, when can we get away from them? And God, one of the cool things about the Christmas story is that God uses a lot of diverse different people which is kind of god's way and it's kind of god's message is that i came for all the people and we're going to read that here in just a minute 
But God used the lowly shepherd. They were invited. And, and in a little bit, we're going to look at the wise men. They were the exact opposite. But God used the, the lowest of the low and the highest of the high, and they were all invited. We come to Luke, and it says, But the angel said to them, talking about the shepherds, Do not be afraid, which angels seem to say a lot, because apparently when angels speak to you, you get afraid. I bring you good news that will, that will cause great joy for all the people today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. The shepherds literally run to Bethlehem. Verse 16, they hurried off, found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And after they'd seen the baby, verse 20 tells us, the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God. They are fired up praising machines. They did not expect this night to turn out the way it had, but now that they've seen this thing, like, they are jacked up. They are so thrilled. Glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. They were, what were they doing? They were celebrating. Joseph had to cooperate. The shepherds had to celebrate. Christmas is a festival. It is not a funeral. We say Merry Christmas. We don't say Sad Christmas. Try that walking into your, you know, your folks' house this Christmas for the Christmas, you know, Christmas Eve. Sad Christmas, you know, Eeyore Christmas, I wanted a pony, you know, I wanted a blue one. I mean, it, it's not, it's Merry Christmas. It, it's, it's a joyous time. This should just light us up from the inside out when we think about what God did for us. In this Christmas child, the angel said, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. A Savior has been born to you this day. This is great news. Your past can be forgiven. You can get a purpose for living and you can have a home in heaven. That is great news. You want to be blessed like the shepherds? Celebrate that God is here with us. What's interesting is that this Christmas season, there will be all kinds of Christmas parties, all kinds of office celebrations, all kinds of family get-togethers, all kinds of things like that, and some people will celebrate all aspects of Christmas except the Christian aspect of Christmas. Jesus' name will not be mentioned unless it's attached to a cuss word. Some people can go through this entire season they can engage in the gift giving. They can, you know, they can get the Christmas spirit. They can do all that stuff, and Jesus will never be mentioned. But the whole purpose of Christmas is to celebrate that God, Emmanuel, God is with us. We are not alone in the universe. God has a plan for our life. He loves us. He knows everything about us, and he still loves us. Can, just let me ask you, does it get any better than that? That get any better than that, that somebody would know everything about you, just let that sink in for a minute, somebody would know everything about you and still love you this much. God loves you, he forgives you, and he has a wonderful, wonderful plan for your life. Not only did the shepherds celebrate, they communicated. Let me just ask you a question. Who have you told? How long has it been since you told somebody about Jesus? Have you ever told somebody about Jesus? Have you ever 
shared the good news of, of Jesus Christ with somebody else. You know, if I, if I, by some stroke of God's grace, was given the, the gift for some horrendous disease that killed people, you know, just this deadly disease, and I, I knew the cure for that disease. If I kept that to myself, that would be criminal. You should lock me up for that. That, that kind of selfishness, that kind of, of um, you know, unwillingness to help somebody else would be caused to just take me, you know, out of the circulation, huge punishment. But, but we've got something better than, than the knowledge of a cure for some deadly disease. As great as that would be, the, the knowledge of Jesus is even better. We have the good news. Your past can be forgiven. You can have a purpose for your life, and you can have a home in heaven. And we should be telling as many people about that as we can. Let me ask you, where else are you going to get that? Back to Luke. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been, three words here, what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Those are communicative words. They told, they heard they said, the shepherds told anybody that would listen what they had seen. So Joseph cooperated, the shepherds celebrated and communicated. Now let's look at Mary. You know, the Bible tells us, and, and you can just use your imagination and you can, you can just kind of get there in your head. Mary had to be scared to death. Scared to death. She's not very old She's this poor little girl. She's been given this news, and she's, you know, she's thinking to herself, "What are, what are my parents going to think?" I mean, I'm, I'm pregnant. I, I can't explain it. I haven't done anything to to be in this condition. And, and here's the real kicker about the whole thing is that it's not entirely out of the question. I mean, women in Mary's predicament in this era wasn't wasn't unheard of that a woman like that would be stoned to death and she's wondering is anybody going to believe this story that i'm i'm carrying the son of god nobody's going to believe that but here's the cool thing about mary she did not panic I, mary is just she's young she does not have a lot of life experience but she was poised she doesn't panic because she was thinking about God's promises to her. And while Joseph cooperated and the shepherds celebrated and communicated, Mary contemplated. She's thinking about God's word. Let's go back to Luke 2. When they had seen him, this is the shepherds, when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about, them, about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Verse 19, but Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. What did Mary do right? She paid attention to the Word of God. When God spoke, she listened. She meditated. Everybody else heard what the angel said and they wondered. Mary pondered. You want to know who's blessable by God? The one who's pondering God's Word? I would just ask the question, you want to be blessable? It, I would ask some follow-up questions. Are you spending any time in prayer? 
Do you spend any time with your Bible? Do you spend any time meditating on what God said to you and what it may mean for your life and what it, what it means for the life and how you live it? Because see, here's the thing. It's not just thinking about it. We're pretty good at the thinking about it part. We can think about it. You know, God can kind of even tell us what he wants us to do, and we don't want to do it, but we'll think about it. You know, the question is, do you do it? If you want to be blessed like Mary, you, you do it. You don't just contemplate, you do it. Like Mary, contemplate continually on God's word. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Let's look at some verses just to kind of drive this home. And I want you to see that there, there's a connection between the pondering and the doing. James, but whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and, con and, and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. See, anybody in here today, you walked in here today capable of being blessed. The, the question is, are you willing to make yourself blessable? Are you willing to cooperate with God's plan and, and celebrate God's son and contemplate God's word? The Bible says if you'll do that, you'll be blessed by God for doing so. Joshua says this, and don't for one minute let this book of Revelation be out of your mind. Ponder and meditate on it day and night, making sure you practice everything written in it. Then you'll get where you're going. Then you'll succeed. That is a promise from God, and God is not a liar. See, the more you follow Scripture, the more success God is going to bring into your life. And I make that statement without hesitation. If you're a boss and you want to be a really good boss, the more you mine out the principles of God and apply those to being a boss, the better boss you're going to be. If you're an employee and you think, I really want to do a good job for my company, how can I be the best employee I can be? And you should, if you're a Christian, you should be thinking that way. You, you say, Brett, I don't, I'm, I don't go to work. I don't really care about being a good employee. You should. You call yourself a Christian. You, you, you call, say the name of Jesus. When you start talking like that, people start paying attention to you. They start watching to see if what you believe and what you say you believe lines up with how you are. And you should want to be a good employee. And I'm just telling you, when you start to mine out the principles of what it might look like to be a good employee and apply those things to your life, it'll change, you'll be more successful. You, you want to have more money? Do the things the Bible tells you to do with money. But we don't want to do that. We'd rather go in debt. The Bible says that the, the, the debtor is a slave, the borrower is a slave to the lender. We don't like that, we, but we want it now. You know, the Bible says things like, you know, put some back and, and give to other people and be generous, and we don't like that. We think it's all for us. I'm just telling you, when you do what the Bible says, you, you set yourself up for blessing. The people that I know that not only just meditate on this but live this out are some of the most successful people I've ever encountered in life. So let's wrap this up by talking about the wise men. We talked about them last week. They were in all likelihood um, kind of like um, royal astronomers. They were from either Iran or Iraq, that particular area. They were either from the Persian uh, Empire or the Babylonian Empire. Uh, they're also referred to in Scripture as the Magi or the wise men. We, they were probably some of the most educated men on the planet for their day. They were scholars. Um, you know, they studied the stars. They studied health. 
They studied languages. They studied literature. They were the wisest, most educated people, and they, they were probably advisors to emperors. Okay, these, these guys are connected. And they're the exact opposite of the shepherds. You know, the shepherds are kind of stinky and smelly and outcast, and nobody wants to have anything to do with the shepherds. These guys, on the other hand, everybody wants to be around them. Everybody wants to, these, they are A-listers. That's what we would call them in today's vernacular. They're A-listers. These are the people that, that are movers and shakers. If you've got a red carpet, you want them on your red carpet. They have traveled the way they have, and, and they've come a long way. They ha- it would have required money for them to do that, and it would have required a lot of their time. This was kind of an intellectual pursuit for them. They had seen this star. They weren't sure exactly what it was, you know, we're not really sure what they saw. But they traveled to Bethlehem at great expense. It cost them time. It cost them money. What were they doing? They were seeking the truth. They were seeking the truth. They were seeking God. That's always a wide thing to do, a wise thing to do. Wise men, I know that's a kitschy saying. I know that it, you know you see that on stuff at Christmas time. But it really is true. Wise men still seek him. If you're a seeker, if you don't know a whole lot about God, but you'd kind of like to know more about God, or you're, you know, you're wondering, and you're just, you're just trying to put some of the pieces together, welcome to Cross Lane. If you're a seeker, if you walked in here today and, and your thoughts are, man, if they only knew how little I know, they probably wouldn't want me in here. No, no, that's not us. All right, we're glad you're here. You may have walked in here today a a secret atheist and nobody even knows that you're an atheist. And you walked in here and you're thinking, man, I'm here with my mama or I'm here with my girlfriend or I'm here with, you know, so-and-so. And if anybody ever finds out what I really believe and what I really think, man, they would not want me in this room. No, you're welcome in this room. Welcome to Cross Lane. Because you know what? We're all over the map when it comes to this stuff at Cross Lane. As many people as we got in here, there's all different kinds of faith. There's all different kinds, lack of knowledge, lack of faith. Some people don't believe anything. Some people are, you know, kind of kicking the tires on the Jesus thing, trying to figure out where they are in the whole deal. And that's cool with us. So it's all right. There, there's no pressure on you. We, we don't, ex- you, there's no code. There's no secret handshake. There's, you, you know, you, you, can, you can bring your questions in here. It's all right. You can walk up to me after service and say, Brett, I don't believe any of the stuff you believe. Well, that's cool. I just got one question for you. Are you seeking the truth? Are you seeking the truth? Because wise men still seek him. Wise men will always seek Jesus. Always. It is a fool who doesn't seek Jesus. It's a fool who goes through life unprepared for something that they know is going to happen. You are going to die one day. That's not an if, okay? 100% none of us gets out of this alive, right? We're none of us. You know that's going to happen. It is a fool who knows that that is going to happen and doesn't do any preparation for it. To go through life wondering if there is a God and and wondering if he's got a plan for your life, but you never take the time to find out Wise men still seek, will always seek Jesus. See, I don't, you know, people say, well, I, you know, I just want people seeking the truth. 
even if the truth that you're, that you're talking about is like a scientific truth. I've talked to Christians who are like, oh, I don't want to talk to scientists because they may tell me something that's going to challenge my faith. Well, that'd be awesome. What that means is if science teaches us something new, it may mean that I have to change my paradigm. It may mean that I have to reinterpret something that I thought I had figured out. That's not the end of the world. That's just about being a seeker. See, here's the thing I know just about me. It may, this, may have not, this may not be you, but this is me. Here's what I would tell you. I, I say this all the time. I've learned more in the last six months than I learned in the previous five years combined. I've learned more in the last 10 years than I learned in the first 20. I've learned more in the second half of my life than I learned in the first half. I probably hold things very dear in my head today that I believe very strongly that eventually at some point I'm going to learn something and I might change part of that because I've got new information or I see it differently or God says, hey, what about this? And I go, you know, I never thought about that before. The person that's really hard for me to be around is the person that is so rigid that you can't talk to them anymore because they know it all already. Wise men will always seek the truth. Wise men will always seek Jesus because he is the way, the truth, and the life. The Bible says this about the wise men. So they went into the house and saw the little child with his mother Mary, and they fell on their knees and worshipped him. They didn't worship Mary. She was there, but they didn't worship Mary. They bowed and worshipped Jesus. They opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, incense, and myrrh. Those are the three, I don't have time to go into it, but those are the three things that represent the, the things that God would do for us in his death, Jesus would do for us in his death, burial, and resurrection. Then since they were warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they went back to their own country by a different route. Listen, so uh, let me make sure you get that. They were going to go one way, but they saw Jesus, and then they went another way. And I would say this about that. Anytime you've been with Jesus, it changes your direction. Anytime you've been around Jesus, it changes your direction. It changes you. You spend time with Jesus, it will change the way you walk. It'll change the way you talk. It'll change the way you work. If you think you have God in your life and it hasn't changed you, you got something in your life, but you didn't get God. Because God will change your life. Okay, God doesn't, you don't encounter God and he says, well, that's fine. We'll just leave that the way it is. No. No, we, we got to work on that. That, that, there's, a, there's a calloused heart. There's a heart that doesn't want to forgive. There, over here, this, is a, this part of your life right here is not generous. We've got to work on that. Because you think everything you get belongs to you. I didn't give all that to you just so you could have it. I gave that to you so you'd share that with somebody else. You, when you encounter God, he starts going to work on who you are, and he starts changing things. Here's the fourth lesson. If you want to be blessed and like the wise men, I must decide, I must dedicate my time and my gifts to Jesus. I'm going to seek him and then I'm going to give him my time and my gifts. And when you bring those things to Jesus, he will multiply those every single time. Everything you have was given to you by him anyway. A couple of verses just to drive this home and then I got a little surprise for you. We're going to... We've got, uh, you're going to be serenaded this morning by the, the small children from in the back. So get yourself ready. I'm just warning you. A couple of verses and we'll close. Romans 12, offer your bodies as living sacrifices dedicated to God and pleasing to him. I dedicate my time, I dedicate my life, I dedicate my gifts to Jesus. Here's another. 
but give yourselves completely to God, every part of you, for you are back from death, and you want to be tools in the hands of God to be used for his good purposes. Let me ask you one final question. This is going to sound like a, you know, like you're going to say, oh, Brett, you got that off the dime store thing. Or, no, it's a serious question. Serious question. What are you going to give Jesus for Christmas? For the past several weeks, some of you have been, and maybe for some of you that's going to happen in the next day or two, you're going to give serious thought to what you're going to buy for people for Christmas, right? Like some of you have got that, been done for that, with that for a month. Some of the men in the room haven't even started, right? That's what this afternoon is going to be all about for them. But what are you going to give to Jesus for Christmas? It's his birthday. I mean, have you ever been to a birthday party where you walked in and all the people that got invited to the birthday party are, are exchanging gifts, but they're not giving any gifts to the birthday boy? Wouldn't, that, wouldn't you look at that and go, what kind of jacked up birthday party have I walked into? If you walked in and somebody handed you a gift and you'd say, what's this for? They'd say, well, you know, it's so-and-so's birthday, so we're giving you a gift. I mean, it wouldn't make any sense, right? It's Jesus' birthday. So what do you get the guy that has everything? Do you have that one person on your list that has everything that's really hard to shop for? Um, I've got a couple people like that in my world, and it's like, what do you get them? I mean, anything I would get them, they would go get one that's way better than that anyway. I mean, I don't know what to, you know. What do you get the guy that's got everything? Here's the, here's the thing. Jesus doesn't have everything. Jesus doesn't have everything. He doesn't have your love unless you give it to him. Jesus doesn't have your trust. Jesus doesn't have your worship. Jesus doesn't have your life. He doesn't have your attention unless you give it to him. What are you going to give to Jesus in the new year? That's the most important gift you will give. The wise men started a tradition where they, they gave gifts to Jesus. And because of that, we give gifts to this day. I've known some great, great gift givers in my day. I have encountered people in my life who have given me some unbelievably generous gifts. Okay? I, it's just an amazing thing. I've known some pretty fantastic gift givers, but God is the greatest gift giver we will ever encounter. I would just take you to John 3, 16. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. God loves, God gives. We believe, we receive. The first Christmas was God's gift to you. He didn't have to give it. Because he loves you and me, he gives us Jesus. God wants to bless you. God really, really wants to bless you. But there's, we have a part in that. We've got to step up and we've got to make ourselves blessable. If we just take some cues from the wise men, the shepherds, Mary and Joseph, it could be life-changing for us. Okay, so let's pray and then strap it on because it's going to be tight, right? Let's pray. Father, um, there's so much to learn in this story. It's so much more than just this cute little children's story that we tell at Christmas time. There are, there are real life lessons, wisdom that comes out of watching these people respond to you and watching them react to what you say and do. When they had it figured out, they thought, and then you come and change the game. So, Lord, help us to give some thought to how we might be more blessable. We want your blessing. 
And often, God, it's a matter of we think our plan's better than your plan. And just humble us. We, 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 we need not be in that shape. We need to understand that your way is the better way. So God, as we go through the next several days with family and friends, I pray that we would reflect the glory of Christ. I pray that people would see Jesus in us. I pray that if there's forgiveness that needs to happen, it would. I pray that we would be quick to forgive and quick to ask for forgiveness. I pray that we would be people that love, that we would be people that exude joy. God, don't let us be the Eeyore at the party this year. Let us be the light. We pray these things, Father, in the name of Jesus, our glorious Savior. It's in his name we pray. Amen.